Welcome to Lifestyle Solopreneur, the community for entrepreneurs who put lifestyle first. Join your host, Flavia Barris, as she interviews successful lifestyle solopreneurs and shares ideas to help you find the perfect balance between lifestyle, business, and self. Flavia is an attorney, marketing expert, and founder of several online academies. She's been featured in major media, including BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post, ESPN Television, and more. Join us for this episode of Lifestyle Solopreneur. Hey, Lifestyle Solopreneurs. Today, we get to speak with Brad Shepard. He is a licensed broker-dealer representative who helps retail investors take advantage of the upside of real estate ownership without the management headaches. He partners with experienced operators in the best markets to offer pre-vetted, hassle-free investment opportunities. He's been involved in commercial real estate for over 20 years. Along with his own rental portfolio and a handful of house flips that he has done, his experience includes development and management of retail and hospitality space and raising capital from both domestic and international investors. He's been exclusively focused on capital raising for commercial syndications as a broker-dealer representative since 2017. He's originally from Utah. And after the last 10 years in Austin, Texas, Brad and his young family recently relocated to Boise, Idaho. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you very much, Flavia. I'm excited to be here. So the places you've lived sort of reads like a, where are all the cool cities everyone's talking about and wants to move to? Because <laughs> Austin definitely is one of those rising stars in um, at the top of a lot of people's lists. And right. then now you relocated to Boise, which is sort of like the new cool place to live. It's been kind of funny. And it wasn't like we planned that by any means. It was, they were strategic moves for our own purposes. And then we get there, and we find out all these cool things about them. And it's been fun to be at the forefront. Like we moved to Austin in 2011 and clearly, I mean, Austin was already discovered at that point, but I mean, the, the tech scene that is there now, I mean, it exploded in the 10 years that we were there. And now we're here in, in Boise. And I just read an article last week. I said, Boise is almost exactly where Austin was 20 years ago. And, and we showed up here and there's so many similarities, the food, the RT culture, the, the little college town. So it's been really fun to, to, to be here too. And we're excited to see what uh, the, what the future holds for Boise. So who knows if it's chicken or the egg, either you're right. making these places cool and you know, right. you're the reason, you're the draw. <laughs> We're um, driving it. <laughs> possible. So tell us listeners, what is a licensed broker dealer? And just so people listening know, broker dealer, you know, you can put a slash mark in between it. I know people who just hyphenate it or but a licensed broker dealer is a very specific type of licensee. A lot of people listening just have no idea. So give us the, sure. the 101 on what is a broker dealer? What kind of license do you need? I mean, don't, you know, you could probably talk for an hour about it. Give us like the 60 second version just sure. so that we're more educated on uh, this role that's out there in the world. You know, when we're talking about real estate, so when I tell people I'm a licensed broker dealer, they immediately think about, you know, like a real estate agent. So then I talk about, no, I'm a securities broker dealer. And then they, the eyebrows go up and they're like, what, what, is, well, what does that mean? So because I focus on capital raising for private real estate investments, what we're doing when, when, when you raise money to, to buy a large real estate asset, it's creating a security. And for me to be compensated for that in a legal way, 
I have to be a licensed securities broker dealer representative. And so, yep, I had to go take a few tests. I had to get a few securities licenses. I have to have a, a, a broker that oversees me and my activity and make sure I'm completely compliant. I have to follow all those rules and every single email I send out is read. Every single email I want to send is, as far as marketing goes, has to be pre-approved by my broker dealer's firm. And so that just makes sure I'm following all those rules that are laid out by the SEC. And it's the, uh, the, the FINRA agency that enforces all those rules. And that allows me to have a really clean relationship with the real estate operators that I represent and a really transparent relationship with the retail investors that I'm working with. So I, they, I, I have to put their financial interests first. They know exactly how I get compensated. They understand where my potential conflicts of interest lie, what I can and can't do. So it's just a really clean way for me to be up above table with my activities representing these investments and bringing mom and pop dollars, right? The average Joe, average Jane with dollars to invest in real estate, their money into these deals that I work with. So to kind of boil down some of this so that we all see it clearly, in the world of real estate, you can almost put together investments similar how you would see startups in the the business world, right? So in the non-real estate world of, let's say, a technology startup company, right? A software company. When they raise capital, at one point, if they become publicly traded and you know people are buying and selling shares in, let's say, Apple or Google, those are securities. So those are stocks. Right. Those are stocks in a company, little pieces of ownership in a company. And for somebody to be helping broker those kinds of interests in companies, you need to have this kind of license. But a lot of people don't realize in real estate, you know, how is there a crossover between securities, which usually in most people's minds means stocks, yep. and real estate. And again, take us into that a little bit. So let's say somebody is offering up this amazing opportunity for a hotel, like to purchase a hotel. And it's $100 million and then someone can own this lovely hotel. Where does a broker-dealer come into play? Yep. You, you laid it out really well. You know, frequently people... My, my role is frequently represented by people who are dealing in stocks and mutual funds, annuities, and things like that. I don't do any of those things. I focus exclusively on real estate securities. And so you know, you're talking about a $100 million hotel or an $80 million or 300-unit apartment complex. There are some institutional players, meaning large organizations, maybe you've heard the name like Blackstone or other large uh, capital groups that will go and pick up assets like that. But it, what many people aren't aware is that they themselves may have access to those type of investments. And so those are the operators we work with. You know, we've got this 300-unit apartment complex in Jacksonville, Florida, or Dallas, Texas, or Phoenix, Arizona. And it's a group of folks coming together to purchase this asset where individually, most individuals couldn't tackle that type of an asset. You might be able to go buy a house or a fourplex or a tenplex, but most folks don't have money to go purchase a 300-unit complex. And so when we're talking about a group coming together to purchase an asset, The fancy word for that is a syndication. And a syndication involves developing securities. And then once we hit a securities level, that's where all those regulations and rules come into play. And so the financing for those types of purchases is not too dissimilar from when you just go and buy a house or a duplex or what have you. The bank is going to put up the bulk of the money. You know, you go buy a home, you have to put 20% down. The bank covers 80%. Same kind of structure with these large commercial assets. We're going to be a little bit more conservative. So we might put up 
or maybe a 40% down payment or a 35% down payment, what have you, the bank covers the rest. But still that, that down payment is pretty large. And so that's where we all come in together to contribute the funds to cover that down payment, as well as the capital that's going to be needed to execute our business plan. We want to go in there and renovate the clubhouse and upgrade from the Formica to the granite, put in the dog parks, whatever. Those things require capital. And so we're raising money for that capital budget as well. And so that's the, that's the structure. And, and it, this surprises people. You know, we all drive by apartment complexes every day. We've all, most of us have lived in one. We've all looked at driven by self-storage properties. They don't realize that individuals like themselves can be part owners in those deals. And unlike going out and doing your own fix and flip or buying your own rental property that you're going to landlord on, when you do it in this syndication style, your sole involvement is contributing capital. And that's it. You're hands off from there. For good and for bad, it depends on people's risk appetite and appetite for control. But you, in exchange for giving up that control, you also don't have to deal with the tenant calling you about the broken toilet, about how to manage this property 100, 500, 1,000 miles away from you. You don't have to worry about those late night, midnight emergencies, et cetera. And so it can be a really attractive way for people to have direct ownership in a very attractive piece of real estate without the downside of the active management and the headaches that may come with that. In a, like a casual vocabulary, a lot of people have heard of silent investors. Like, ooh, that person's a silent investor. You, you know, go. oftentimes we're talking about these kind of investors. But in the real estate world, it's it's so funny because sometimes people learn about syndications in a roundabout way. I've seen this personally, where someone will say they'll kind of be graduating from like a small solo investor where they've maybe bought and sold a couple of properties themselves, and they'll know enough to spot some great opportunity but they themselves can't quite come up with the down payment required for that opportunity. So I've seen people who don't know anything about syndications or securities and how securities are related to real estate. They'll see this amazing apartment complex and they'll say, wow, that's actually a really good deal. And I've had good luck with a couple of onesie, twosie deals I've done. I can help put that together, but maybe I need to talk to some friends and family and I have some coworkers that probably want to invest and want to follow in my footsteps. And, you know, next cocktail party I go to, I can rub elbows with some people, tell them about this. And maybe all of us together can come up with the $300,000 in cash that we need to put down. And then that person goes to a real estate lawyer and says, hey, this is what I want to do. Can you just quickly draft up a contract so I can start gathering money from all my friends and family and coworkers and strangers at a cocktail party. And yeah, we want to make this happen. And that's when the lawyer has to kind of sit them down and give them the hard news, which is, I'm sorry, but you can't just gather money from a group of people and go buy real estate unless you jump through a bunch of regulatory hurdles that are there for a good reason. And that's that we don't want a retiree with limited income to sink their last dollar into something without realizing the risk and because you sold them on the idea and the dream. And so I love that we're having this episode because I think it's going to be very educational. It's something that we need to get out into the business world as a concept and idea so people can get comfortable with knowing the rules, but also realizing they can form a syndication. You just have to get the right team involved. You know, you need the right counsel, you need the right broker, you need to file the right paperwork and, you know, to have the proper contracts and everything. But it is doable even for a small-time investor, right? It is. It really is. You know, if you have two or three folks coming together, they're all going to contribute the same amount of money. They're all expecting to put in the same amount of work. 
those are not silent partners by any means. Those are would be what we would call general partners. They can go ahead and do that, you know, to their heart's content. But it's when they start raising money from friends, including friends and family, but especially those strangers they've met at the cocktail party, where those people are going to have a silent role. They're con- contributing simply the funds, handing it over to a, a management group his, whose expectation is to go out there and execute a business plan and generate a return. In doing that, you've created a security. And as soon as you create a security, you are at the mercy (laughs) of the SEC and all the rules that they've created to make sure that nobody is out there preying on little old grandma, little old grandpa and their last retirement dollars, putting money into a a questionable investment. And so that's where the minute you've created that security, you have to be really, really careful. I see it frequently, not almost on a weekly basis, somebody in a Facebook group or on a Twitter comment, uh, your Twitter thread posts about, Hey, we've got this great opportunity here in the, the you know this 50 unit complex. We're promising 15% returns, $25,000 minimum investment. Contact me if you'd like to invest. And I just cringe like, "Oh boy." <laughs> they don't even realize that the, what they just the lines they just crossed. You have to be super careful how you advertise these, whether you can advertise these deals, how those funds are solicited, who you can solicit from, whether they be strangers or somebody you have a prior existing relationship with. The securities attorney walks you through all of that, right? So that's your first go-to is that securities attorney who's going to help you structure that. So yes, a small group can certainly do this and it happens day in and day out. The deals I work on, we might have a 100 or 200 investors come together for these deals. But there are operators that are doing a smaller deal and it might be five or 10 of their close friends. But they've generated, they've created a security. And so yes, it is possible for the smaller groups to do this, the first step, though, simply consult with that securities attorney who has experience in these syndications. This isn't your neighbor who's a attorney, you know, a divorce attorney or a litigation attorney, right? You have to be, you go right to a securities attorney to help walk through this, but it certainly is possible. What I'm generally working with and who I'm looking to connect with is the folks who have the money. They understand the value in real estate, but they also know how valuable their time is. And it's, they're not attracted at the, by the idea of the tenants and toilets and all, all the stuff that comes along, even managing Airbnbs and things like that. They're not act excited by the idea of active management. And so it's, you know, everybody has the choice of what type of role they want to play. And so, yeah, if, if you're an individual who wants to go out there and be a general partner, be the active manager, absolutely. Connect that, you know, connect with the securities attorney, get that structure set up correctly. And then for the folks who are looking to be a silent partner, those opportunities exist and they can be very lucrative without having to raise a finger at all in the the daily management of the property. So for you, I love having you as a guest because two things. One is this show is all about lifestyle and ways to better your lifestyle in business. And I think you can probably speak a little bit to how being a passive investor is helpful for lifestyle. So first right. let's touch on that. And then and then I want to go a little bit into sort of career paths. But first talk about how does what you do and help people do contribute to improving people's lifestyles? I purchased my first rental property when I was 22 years old. I started reading all the books, <laughs> watching all the courses and... It was, you know, being young and hungry, willing to put in the, the legwork. And of course, I didn't have much capital. And so it was all about legwork. I did go to school with a finance degree with the intent of going into commercial real estate. I went a little bit different path after graduation. But along the way, everything I did, I continued to, to pick up me and build up my own portfolio. We started doing vacation rentals before that, you know, before Airbnb even existed. 
But all of that requires so much work. We, when we moved to Texas, we started doing more of the active type deals, the rehabs, the stuff you see on HGTV, the fix and flips, wholesaling, you know, sending out letters to homeowners, seeing if we could purchase their property, door knocking. And it was all stuff that was helpful to building up, you know, our war chest. But we tired of it. We did some long distance fix and flips. You know, we living in Texas, I did picked up a property just outside of Pittsburgh, ended up being the worst flip possible. You know, it was supposed to be a, a 20,000 job and done in eight weeks. Of course, you know, it takes about a year and a half and 150 grand. It was horrible. I would own a four up until just a few months ago, I owned a fourplex in San Antonio. It was in a D class neighborhood, D class tenants, and it was a war zone type property. Just took up so much of my brain space. And selling that thing was one of the best days of my and my wife's lives, <laughs> getting rid of that piece of property. And so people don't realize that you, know, you can go into real estate and some of these things look so attractive. But even with a good property manager, which is tough to find, let me, let me make that clear. There are good property managers out there, but it can be tough to find them. But even with a good property manager, you're still going to have stuff floating up to you. Hey, this, this HVAC went out. It's going to be four grand. Do you approve or not approve? We're going to raise the rent to this much. Do you approve or not approve? Hey, we're struggling with this unit. What do you think about this? And you just can't get away from it. And so as my wife and I, we got up to about... At peak, we had 17 rental properties of our own. And it was... Even with, again, with property managers in place, it just we just realized this isn't what we want to spend our time doing. We want to... Or we have young kids. We were looking for a more flexible lifestyle. And it's not chasing tenants. It's not dealing with plumbers that aren't showing up or tenants who are chasing off our plumbers or dealing with city code or any, any of those things. And so we began selling those properties and taking those funds and investing in that as a silent partner on these larger deals. And turns out we make more money. We're actually making more money with these deals without lifting a finger of management. And so lifestyle-wise, now I can move to Boise because I don't have to deal with any of the properties that I have in Texas. I'm not trying to do a long distance flip out in Pittsburgh. I can move to Boise. I can move to wherever I want to move because that freedom is there now as a silent partner for us to do so. We've learned how to vet operators. We've learned how to vet deals. We can purchase a property. We participate in deals all across America. We are part owners from Arizona to Florida to North Carolina in these assets that are generating cash flow for us. And I don't have to lift a finger. And that what that does for the lifestyle is immeasurable. Well, that's inspiring and motivating, I'm sure, to a lot of people listening. But on this show, we don't just focus on lifestyle. I think a lot of people listen in because there are people listening who are stuck in kind of that corporate lifestyle. They have a nine to five, which is morphed into kind of like a nine to nine. We're all expected to be sort of attentive to our employers in today's day and age. And so there's people that want to escape that rat race, so to speak, and and try a different career, maybe one that offers more of a lifestyle opportunity. So I love that you're here because you can speak to sort of the role of being an investor. That's certainly one way to do business. You can invest in real estate via syndications. Lots of You mentioned a lot of other ways to invest in real estate. We've had so many guests on the show that have taught us, I mean, investing in notes and flipping and and wholesaling all kinds. There's so many ways to make real estate work for you as an industry. But for you, you can also speak to being a broker, right? A broker dealer. That's a career path. That's something someone can aspire to, study for, become. If someone right now 
is listening to you and thinking, I want to be Brad Shepard. I want to be the next Brad Shepard. What would you tell them is that first step towards this career? Is there a certain type of school they need to go to? Should they go work as an intern somewhere? How do you learn? How do you get mentored? First of all, I would say there's a a whole bunch of people way more cool and experienced and and successful than Brad Shepard. So (laughs) up your goals. (laughs) But I can certainly point folks to some, some starting places. It's there's a sweet place to be when you can marry a want with a need, right? We work with operators who need cash. I'm out there talking every day to people with cash who need a place to invest that money. I'm able to connect those two parties together and be compensated handsomely for doing so. So regardless of career path, if you can marry wants with needs, you can be really successful. It's when it was early 2017, we had done well with a couple flips. Our latest flip had gone a little sideways. We still made a little bit of money on it. But again, it was just a hassle to deal with. And so it was my wife and I looking at each other, where do we want to go from here? And it finally kind of dawned on me again. Oh, yeah, commercial. So I started thinking about sourcing my own deal. I started calling commercial real estate brokers, the people who actually deal in the buying and selling of the properties, getting on their buyer's list and, and networking with them, starting to talk with experienced operators that can kind of pick their brain. And in doing so, I connected with some folks there in Austin who were mentors to me saying in, in those conversations, we learned there were a lot of similarities in that in our real estate investing path. And one individual in particular had just started working with a, an operator who is now a really well-known one across the country, but it was on their second or third deal, helping them raise money. And we realized there's a niche there and there's an opportunity for us to kind of build systems and operations around that. And so that's where we've gone. And it was really me latching on to a mentor there who's now, you know, we're partners in, in this in this effort to do so. And so I always point to mentors. We're looking for people. Tony Robbins said, success leaves footprints, right? Follow those footprints. You look at somebody who's where you want to be and follow those footprints. So look at those mentors who are willing to spend time and and guide. And to be honest, there's not a whole lot of... There's not a huge hurdle to to doing what I do. It is... You have to find a, a broker who is willing to sponsor you. That broker will tell you what tests you have to pass. Once you have those securities, securities licenses, you would then have to have the, find the operators that are willing to work with you and for you to help bring capital to their to their deals. You know, and, and they need to work. They're looking for people who can help them raise significant dollars. And so it might take teaming up with a group of folks to you know, meet that type of dollar amount they're looking for, or finding op- smaller operators who maybe don't have as big of capital needs. But there's a hundred ways to skin that cat. And I always point to mentors and, and, and footsteps, but it really is pretty achievable for most individuals. So everything you've shared, I'm sure has inspired a lot of people. I can almost picture a lot of us just on the edge of our seat thinking, wow, this could be a new career path. And some other people are thinking, wow, this is... I've always just saved up and invested in stocks. Maybe I should be investing some of that into real estate. And you know, I need to talk to someone to see what my options are and what opportunities are out there. So this has been, I think, enlightening on many different levels. For anybody that wants to learn more about you, Brad, reach out to you, learn more about your company, where would you send them? The best place to connect with me and my team is at sugarhouseinvestments.com. That's where you can learn a little bit more about us, 
the types of deals that we offer and schedule a little intro phone call with me where we can get to know each other a little bit more. I certainly want to have that call with folks before I start putting deals in front of them. I want to understand the individual's situation and background and what deals may or may not be appropriate for them. But you can go onto my website, sugarhouseinvestments.com, put in your name and email address there, and you'll start to see the types of deals that we offer and certainly welcome the opportunity to schedule that intro call as well. Brad, you are awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your insights on the podcast today. As always, pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Flavia. Appreciate the opportunity. Guess what, lifestyle solopreneurs? If you don't yet have an online business earning you enough passive income to live the life of your dreams, I'd like to suggest you consider trying out Kajabi. Kajabi is an all-in-one solution where you can create and teach online courses, publish a paid newsletter, launch a free or paid podcast, process payments, build one-on-one coaching portals for your clients, and much, much more. I personally use Kajabi to power numerous successful and profitable online businesses. Lifestyle solopreneurs, there's a free trial of Kajabi waiting for you at this link, www.kfreetrial.com. You can try Kajabi for free, no obligation, by going to www.kfreetrial.com. Again, kfreetrial.com, and that K stands for Kajabi. Starting an online business helped me break free from that corporate grind, and I hope it does the same for you. You have nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and see you next time.